Man, we gotta start using Apple Cash. Okay, why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Oh, that is nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff like at a store with Apple Pay. I don't have to do all that bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. Easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Criminalia, where this season we're exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious lady poisoners throughout history. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Maria Tremarchi. And the poisoner that we're talking about today is Amy Archer Gilligan. And you might know her name. She was the real-life inspiration for the story behind both the play and the film Arsenic and Old Lace. And this today is the true story behind the eccentric comedy that came out of Hollywood as a result of it. And it's absolutely not a comedy. It's not a (laughs) rock. It's not at all. Um, So uh, a little bit about Amy's story. So from her birth through her death, Amy's entire story takes place in the state of Connecticut. She was born to James and Mary Duggan, probably on Halloween, but definitely in October in 1873 in the town of Milton, which at the time was sort of the northwestern part of what is now the town of Litchfield. And all accounts suggest that Amy grew up in 
kind of a modest circumstance. And there was really nothing about her childhood that particularly stands out. However, there was a legacy of mental illness in her immediate family. Amy's brother, John, became a patient. He would have been called an inmate then, which is obviously outdated terminology, Mm -hmm. uh, at the Connecticut General Hospital for the Insane. And that happened in 1902. Also outdated terminology. Right. (laughs) And then one of her sisters was listed as residing there as well. That was during the 1930 census. So uh, there is a strong streak there. Uh, There were between eight and ten children in the Archer family, and as many as seven are believed to have had mental health issues. That's amazing. Um, So as an adult, Amy married James Archer when she was 23 years old. And about five years later, they relocated with their young daughter to Newington, which, as I was saying, also a town in Connecticut. There, they lived with a man named John Seymour, who was frail and elderly, um, and they cared for him in exchange for room and board. When John died in 1904, the house went to his heirs. But the archers decided to rent it, and they turned it into Sister Amy's Nursing Home for the Elderly. And yes, you probably could hear something of an air quote around the word sister, uh, <laughs> because Amy certainly did not take any religious vows, although she was known to be a very pious woman. They were kind of trading on that name uh, as kind of a, a marketing plan. Three years after they started this, though, John's family decided to sell the property. So the archers moved to Windsor, and with their savings, they bought a red brick house at 37 Prospect Street. It's still there today, and you can tour through it, although they ask you to really not take photos. Uh, It was in this house that became the Archer Home for Elderly People and Chronic Invalids. That is the name of the house, not a name that we will keep repeating through the episode. Right. Uh, In this unassuming red brick house, this business that they started uh, did not seem particularly out of the ordinary. Amy was reportedly a doting Christian woman who took care of those who were unable to care for themselves. She was, or at least seemed to be, a positive fixture in her community. It's really true. Like if you, you know, if you if you look at some of the things that she did, minus the killing, she was very caring. She was very um, willing to give money to the church for for variety of reasons. So if you If you didn't know what was going on in her life, you might think that she was a positive fixture in her community. So in comparison today, there are a bit more than 15,000 nursing homes and uh, more than 28,000 assisted living residences in the United States. And together, they're occupied by about two and a half million people. But in the early 20th century, when the archers opened their doors, this was not the case at all. Most of the time, caring for your elders was the responsibility of family members. And basically, the archers were really establishing a brand new field when they did this. And they were also trying to make a place in it. They were known to even advertise their services in the local newspapers. And the archer home for elderly people and chronic invalids worked basically like this. Patients would either sign their life insurance policies over to Amy, or they could pay a large amount of money By all accounts, this was right around $1,000 up front. But Amy did not only cater to the well-off. If there were people who could not pay that lump sum up front, they were given an option to pay weekly. But no matter how they chose to pay, in return, what they got was residence and Amy's care. 
And there were generally anywhere between 10 and 20 residents in the home at a time. So these residents, Amy called them inmates. And we referred to that earlier when we were talking about her brother. And it sounds wrong to our 21st century ears, but it was completely in line with the convention of the time. Everything appeared fine on the outside of this business. Yet there were stories about how Amy's inmates were crowded together in rooms and often left to fend for themselves. Um, and, and as I was just talking about, remember, the industry at this time was so brand new. And that means there were no regulatory agencies set up yet to monitor anything, anything from the quality of care or anything that was going on inside the home. And in 1909, Amy had her first brush with the law. The McClintock family of West Hartford sued the archers over their perceived lack of care that was given to an elderly family member. They settled out of court, and the archers paid $5,000 to the McClintocks. We know it's unreliable always when we talk about trying to uh, figure out how much money in, you know, 1910 would equal to today's currency, but we always like to do it just kind of as a... Uh, a little bit of a, a benchmark so you get a sense right? of it. So and it's a little fun. <laughs> yeah. $5,000 in 1910 was a pretty tidy payout. And roughly, very roughly, that's kind of the equivalent to like 137000 today. Which is really nothing to really laugh at. Um, so actually, right now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk about the mysterious and numerous deaths happening at the Archer home. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. but. That also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older <laughs> in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage from full to cheeky to minimal. 
And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Your home should be your haven, and everyone wants to feel safe at home. If you travel a lot, it's really important that your home is secure when you're gone and that your pets are also safe. Simply Safe is advanced home security that puts you first. Simply Safe sent me a home security package, and I was really blown away by all the cameras and the quality of them. When I travel, I could check in on my cats anytime, day or night, and I sleep better knowing that once our alarm is set at night, I know that I'll be alerted if anyone tries to enter the house. Simply Safe has been named in U.S. News and World Report's best home security systems for five years running. It's also been ranked best customer service in home security by Newsweek. By partnering with Simply Safe, I've finally gotten real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E.com/criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values: premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow plus when you purchase the natural hybrid you're also helping fuel lisa's work with shelters and those in need since 2015 lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep don't put off a good night's sleep any longer get a lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight visit lisa.com/iheart that's L E E S A dot com slash iHeart. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion often neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need. Renowned for their exquisite tights, Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes. Clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least 1 degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select Orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's get to talking about Amy's quote unquote inmates. So In 1910, which was about three years after the Archers opened the Archer Home for Elderly People and Chronic Invalids, James, if you remember, that's Amy's first husband, suddenly died of what was at the time called Bright's disease. 
So Bright's disease is kidney disease. And this uh, at this point, we're going to do some really high level medical talk here. It's basically what happens when your kidneys become inflamed. So ultimately, if it's left untreated, that can lead to kidney failure. Today, it would be called nephritis. And it has several causes, such as an infection or high blood pressure. And we're just going to put this out there and it probably won't surprise you. Exposure to arsenic. Not arsenic. What? <laughs> What's that? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> I wonder what the symptoms are. <laughs> After James died, Amy began having some financial trouble, but she was still able to manage the home. And that's because she had taken out quite a hefty insurance policy on her husband just about a week or two prior to his death. A few years later, in 1913, Amy got remarried. Her new groom, 56-year-old Michael Gilligan, was a healthy and vivacious man with a hefty savings account. Like Amy, Michael was a widower, plus he had four adult sons. In February 1914, which was just about three months after they had gotten married, Michael suddenly died. The official cause of death was listed as acute bilious attack, which basically means he was likely suffering from some kind of liver dysfunction. Right. It's really hard to pin down. I mean, <laughs> some, some people will call it severe indigestion, but it was a little bit more major than that. Yeah. Um, so when he died, he, he had willed his entire estate, which was valued at about $4,000. Uh, that would be very, very roughly the equivalent of, say, about $100,000 today. So he willed all of this to his wife. Um, you know, husbands will their estates to their wives all the time. It's not anything weird. But despite that, the authorities were suspicious. And they later determined that Michael's will was a forgery and that the handwriting, it turned out, matched Amy's. So at this point, there's a pattern emerging regarding the Archer home, and neighbors were starting to take notice of the high death rate among the residents there. And unlike other stories that we've shared on the show, where shady things kind of went on for a long time without anyone really getting too concerned, authorities were actually pretty quick to jump to the conclusion that these deaths were probably due to foul play in Amy's case. Yet they were not so quick to actually do anything about it. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So um, Amy was known among her residents for her nutritional meals and beneficial tonics. But nourishing might not be the best word to use when we talk about these nutritional meals that she served. And here's why. Amy added arsenic to her recipes, resulting in the deaths of many of her residents, all of whom, remember, had named her in their wills when they moved into her home. And many of them did not have relatives close by or any family at all. So we're going to look at the story of one man who lived at the Archer home, and it is his death that actually kicked off the investigation against her. One of Amy's residents was a 60-year-old man named Franklin Andrews. And while he had some sort of mild disability, we don't know what kind of illness or injury it was, he was still listed as pretty healthy and robust. He routinely did yard work and other chores for Amy. And Franklin was one of the residents that did not have family nearby, but he did write to his family pretty frequently, including stories and details about his life at the Archer home. In one letter, just in passing, he happened to mention that he had noticed a surprising number of deaths among the residents. 
I've wondered after reading the sources on this, every single one of them says it the same way. But how do you just put that in passing? Right. You know? just like, cavalierly. Just, Gosh, a lot of people just, die here. Right. See you. See you Saturday. Like, <laughs> I in passing. Rain tomorrow. Yeah. And by the way, three of my best friends just died last night. Um. So, you know, good on Franklin for sharing that information, though, um, because on one spring day, Franklin was painting the fence around the property when he suddenly collapsed. And two days later, he died of what was reported to be a stomach ulcer. Shortly after his death, his sister, Nellie Pierce, found some unusual correspondence among Franklin's belongings. In particular, Amy had pressured Franklin to loan her $500, and he had done so. Suspicious about this loan and her brother's sudden death, Nellie also contacted the authorities. And initially, the district attorney was not interested in the case, but the Hartford Current definitely was. The newspaper began their own investigation, and it was their investigation that ultimately led to Amy's arrest. So among the things that they reviewed at first were death certificates. They compared these death certificates of the Archer Home residents with those of residents of the Jefferson Street Home for the Elderly in Hartford, which was less than 10 miles away. It turned out that the number of deaths at the Jefferson Street Home was similar but the population there was way larger. It was like seven times that of the Archer home. In fact, they discovered 60 residents of the Archer home had died since 1907, and 48 of them had died recently, between 1911 and 1916. They also discovered Amy's weapon. Carlin Gosley was a correspondent and the obit writer for the Hartford Current at the time and had for years been noticing a really high number of deaths at the Archer home. It was a home for the elderly, yes, but the deaths seemed, and to put it mildly, excessive. So he did some investigating into the poison registers that every drugstore uh, had to keep by law. I love Carlin for this. Uh, I do, too. He did such a good job in this. It's amazing. Right? Like, that's good journalism, right? Man, he's an obit writer. He went above and beyond, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and in doing this research, he hit the jackpot in terms of information. Yeah. He found out that Amy had made multiple purchases of arsenic at H.H. Mason's drugstore in Windsor, as well as other stores around town. And one store's register revealed that she had purchased a huge amount of arsenic, 10 ounces. Man. That is enough to kill at least 100 people and possibly as many as 200. Amy cited that there were rat problems and bed bugs at the house as the reason she was making these purchases. Now, it may sound strange that the Connecticut State Police weren't the ones who really went to work on this case, but good and bad, there are actually some reasons for that. The Connecticut State Police Department had only been established for really only a few years, since like 1903 or so, give or take a year. And the skills that were needed to investigate murders and forensics in general weren't really all that developed yet. But the state police were interested, though, after the newspaper investigation really started to take off. And they did do some of their own work. They sent in an undercover officer who pretended to be a wealthy widow in need of care. 
And this gave them a first-hand look at how Amy scammed her residents into giving her, well, everything. I was really happy to see that once the newspaper investigation took off, that the police department was like, we should get on this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) they visited the nursing home after their undercover officer came back with this information. And they found, surprisingly, arsenic in the kitchen pantry. Amy, again, though, claimed that she used arsenic to control an ongoing rat problem in the nursing home. But considering that she had enough arsenic, if you remember, to kill more than 100 people... It it sounds like there had to be more rats than residents. Like, it, just, it sounds like there was quite an infestation going on in this house. Super rats. Yes. And bed bugs. Kind of like us. The police did not believe this story about the rats. Uh, they could do math as well. <laughs> they believed that Amy was poisoning residents. But it wasn't until 1917 when they officially charged Amy with the murder of the Archer Home resident Franklin Andrews that they found out for sure, and the investigation took more than a year to complete. During that time, bodies were exhumed and autopsies were performed, and arsenic, yep, was absolutely found in the bodies, Franklin's corpse included. There were five victims who were definitely, absolutely, positively, no doubt about it, poisoned by Amy with arsenic, including not only residents of her nursing home, but her second husband as well. And although you'll hear numbers like she she killed 60 upwards, the final tally, it's still really high. The final tally from the authorities when they finished the investigation of the deaths was a total of 48. And when she was arrested, police asked Amy about the high number of deaths in her home. And she replied, quote, well, we didn't ask them to come here, but we do the best we can for them. They are old people and some live for a long time while others die after being here a short time. I don't even have a comment for that. Like, I have a comment for everything. and I don't even have a comment for that. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break from our, for our sponsor and when we come back. We will talk about Amy's trial. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note are the chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. The best things in life, they come in twos. Two scoops of ice cream, two tacos. And now for a limited time, get our best deal of the year. Buy any phone when you switch to Consumer Cellular and get two months of service free. That's right, the same fast, reliable nationwide coverage as Big Wireless, now with two months free. Proof the best things in life really do come in twos. Visit ConsumerCellular.com or call 1-888-FREEDOM. Second and third month of monthly base service fee waived for new customers with the purchase of a phone and activation by July 31st, 2024. Taxes, fees, and third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's get into the details of Amy Archer Gilligan's trial. So the trial headlined in newspapers all across the country, and it really captured people's imaginations. One headline from the Hartford Current, and this was their lead headline when the trial began, police believe Archer home for aged a murder factory. Murder factory. <laughs> Well, it's also the police believe part, right? Like that yeah, yeah. that presupposes guilt to some degree. Oh, yeah. Uh, under questioning, Amy insisted that she was innocent. 
I am a poor, hardworking woman, and I can't understand why I am persecuted as I have been during the last few years, the current reported, she told arresting officers. She also went on to say, quote, This is a Christian work, and one that is very trying, as we have to put up with lots of things on account of the peculiarities of the old people. Again. <clears throat> so, at her trial, Amy appeared as a petite widow who was busy raising a teenage daughter. If you remember, she had a daughter from her first marriage and taking care of the elderly. And everyone in town knew that she was a regular churchgoer and that she gave generously to the local church. Most of her neighbors and other churchgoers were actually quite shocked to find that she had been arrested. Psychiatrists and psychologists who were known as alienists at the time testified as to Amy's mental health. And they also brought up Amy's alleged use of morphine. So this morphine thing, we got to talk about it for a second. This only came up, it was only mentioned, um, this idea that she might have had a morphine addiction in one reliable source. And so we couldn't verify it. It might not be true at all. But it is kind of interesting and a little too titillating uh, a piece of the potential puzzle to not mention it at all. But even though we're including it, we also want to caution you to take it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Right. There's 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 some there's always little bits and pieces of the stories that are a little bit too good to not mention, but probably not true. (laughs) (laughs) You would think that would have come up in more than one place if it were a real issue. Exactly. Um, And I believe it came up in regard to her daughter saying that my mom has a morphine addiction, you know, and I I, I like to think that that's because her daughter was like, please don't send my mom to jail, you know, but uh, but I have no way to verify that. Uh, So Amy's trial, back to that. Amy's trial lasted for four weeks and it took the jury four hours to convict her. She was found guilty of murdering Franklin Andrews. Um, But the court of public opinion, though, often has a very different point of view. And with Amy, they believed she had killed at least 22 other residents, if not more. Um, But the court sentenced her to death by hanging. But and this is a big but her defense team appealed and her conviction was overturned. So there was a second trial and that began in June 1919. This time, Amy pleaded guilty to the lethal poisoning of resident Frank Andrews. She received a sentence of life in prison, which was a reduced charge of second-degree murder due to reason of insanity. I I find that amazing. Um, Holly, I don't know if you know that, like, most of the, um, most most often when someone pleads with reason of insanity guilty or not, usually not guilty with reason of insanity, it's like, it's like less than 1% actually it actually works in their favor. Like it's right. You know, you know like it's it's such a, a difficult one to argue. So um, I was actually really surprised to see that, that that's how her case played out. Um, anyway, although she was tried only for the murder of Franklin Andrews, Amy was indicted for five poisoning murders in total. And the people on that list included Franklin Andrews, which is no surprise, um, Alice Gowdy, who was a resident, her second husband, Michael Gilligan, Charles A. Smith, also a resident, and Maud Howard Lynch, I believe also a resident, each had died of arsenic poisoning. That is, except Maud, whose autopsy showed she was poisoned with strychnine. During that second trial, it is reported that Amy kept repeating the same phrase, which was simply, I want to go home. 
Amy was in her early 40s when she began her sentence at the state prison in Wethersfield. Five years later, in July of 1924, Amy's situation changed when she was transferred to the Connecticut Valley Hospital in Middletown, a state-run institution for people with mental illness. So we have brought this up before, but let's uh, take a brief moment to review some of the facts about female serial killers in the United States. They definitely use poison to kill their victims. That is not the only weapon that female serial killers have been known to use. Uh, But it goes beyond that, right? We've talked about before, they usually know their victims. And most often they were actually the official caretakers of those victims, such as uh, being in a situation where they were nursing them. And they often kill for financial gain. And if you look at sort of that basic profile, Amy really checks a lot of these boxes. Yeah. um, Mental illness as well is also listed as a common thing among female serial killers. Uh, A guesstimate of about 40 percent have some type of mental illness during the time that they commit their crime. Though her psychiatric records are sealed, there are one or two things that we do know about Amy's stay at the Connecticut Valley Hospital. One, she continued to read and pray with her Bible in her lap daily. And two, she enjoyed playing funeral music on the piano there, even when no one had died. I really liked that detail. It's very Haunted Mansion-y, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right? Like Every day she played a dirge. Exactly. She spent the remaining 38 years of her life there, and she died on April 23rd, 1962, of natural causes. There is something interesting here in her story that comes up in some accounts of her time in the hospital. And I I feel like it needs to be included because she was convicted of poisoning many of her residents through the meals that she served to them. In prison, Amy allegedly was allowed to work in the hospital's cafeteria. And I'm, I'm not saying that anything was reported as going wrong. Nothing happened. But it just seemed to me like it was Poor planning. (laughs) Right. I Um, guess if they were confident she couldn't get her hands on arsenic arsenic or strychnine, they were like, well, we need somebody to cook. There is one good thing that came out of all of this. In an effort to prevent anything like this from happening again, in the same year as Amy's first trial, 1917, the Connecticut state legislature introduced a bill requiring the license of, quote, old folks' homes. And this was the first time nursing homes would be required to have inspections and to annually report deaths. Of course, this is something we could probably just end on. Um, There is also the star-studded piece of her story. So Amy's trial and conviction, like we said earlier, was really hot and heavy in the media. And that was across the nation. And it caught the eye of Joseph Kesselring, a playwright who was based in New York. And he adapted this story into a play Um, a black comedy that he entitled Arsenic and Old Lace, which you might recognize. The play starred Boris Karloff, and it was a huge hit, and it was adapted into film by the same name, which starred Cary Grant. And now uh, is a standard of high school (laughs) theater departments across the country. Exactly. Now people are in this play and they don't really grasp the gravity of what its happened. origin point, right? Exactly. So, um, so uh, her poison was arsenic and maybe once strychnine. But Holly, what's yours? Well, 
So for What's Your Poison this time, you know, I always like to ruminate on the the tale we have been discussing. Yes. And the thing that I love that we didn't talk a ton about, but it does come up, is how people in the community perceived her as really just like a, a very, you know, sweet, wonderful mm-hmm. person. And so I thought it would be a fun thing to play on that. And I came up with a cocktail called Sweet as Pie. <laughs> um which could then hurt you if you drink too much of it. Um, and basically, I wanted to make something that tasted like cherry pie. So um, this one is 1.5 ounces of vodka, 1.5 ounces of a cherry liqueur, oh, one ounce of simple syrup. And then uh, this next one, it depends on what people have in their kitchens. Either a drop, just a drop of vanilla extract, because if you have ever tasted vanilla extract, you know it is not delicious on its own, really. <laughs> it can Hasn't be... everyone as a child? <laughs> yes, because you think it's going to taste like a cookie, and in fact, right. it tastes like getting slapped. Um, so just a drop, because it does give it a bakery flavor that you don't quite get if you just use vanilla syrup. Also, if you're like me and you like to bake and maybe you have invested in having um, powdered vanilla, like scraped vanilla that's been mm-hmm. just uh, pulverized, you can also do just a little pinch of that instead. Um, either one of those work. And then two ounces of ginger ale and you're going to stir that all together. But then to serve it, come with me because you're going to melt a little bit of butter and um, use a pastry brush to just uh, paint that around the rim of your glass and then rim it with graham cracker crush. Right. That sounds lovely. Right. So you get like a nice buttery crust sensation as you sip. And then you just pour your your concoction, your drink in over ice. I like. Although if you wanted to get a sense of like a fresh baked pie, you could leave the ice out if you don't mind a room temp drink. Um, it's so yummy, but it is definitely full of alcohol so (laughs) (laughs) i i thought that sound that was a thing that seemed very wholesome but is in fact full of alcohol so that is the sweetest pie (laughs) it's quite yummy i will say um and it does it tastes like a a little dessert in your hand especially because you get that nice buttery graham cracker crust situation that is a lovely lovely addition to the drink listen i am always going to figure out a way to put butter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if i can so uh if you if you <laughs> give and it a ginger. try yes butter and ginger ale i put ginger ale in everything you could also do it if ginger ale is not something you like you could also do it with just like um um you know any sparkling water there just to give it it just um i found that before i added that it's just a little too thick and syrupy because fruit mm-hmm. liqueurs can tend to be a little bit like the viscosity is a little thick um, so that's really there to to further move that around. Like the vodka does some. And also because I just didn't want to pour straight alcohol into a glass, even though that <laughs> often delights me. Um, no, I thought it would help. Also because that's a little too bitey and you want to take some of that bite off of it and make it a little more like a baked good. Um, and for me, ginger ale does a nice job of rounding that flavor out. But if other people don't like ginger ale, you can use anything there. Or even like a little juice if you wanted would be fine. I have a, a tart cherry juice that actually would probably be a See, good See, there you go. Yeah. 
But yeah, I like ginger ale, so I don't really need to just add them all. <laughs> Choose my own cherry adventure. <laughs> yes. yes, you could. I mean, that's the thing, right? This is the kind of thing that once you have it down and you know how you like your mix, you could use other fruit liquors to make different alcoholic pie drinks. You could just just play. That's what it's about. I do want to make sure we thank everybody for spending this time with us this week. And we cannot wait to talk to you again next week. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.